kind of in the middle of a series. I'm going to bring you up to speed on what we've been talking about just a little bit. So if you're new today, I don't want you to be lost. So here we go. We're talking about how to discern God's voice in your life. I think that's what most of us want. We want to know that God is speaking and that we're hearing him clearly. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, it's a lot about us being receptive. Am I ready to hear? Am I preparing my heart to hear God's voice? Am I willing to do what he says, even if I don't like it? So that's part of it. Then a couple of weeks ago, last week, we talked about, okay, God does speak to us. If we're receptive, he uses various ways of doing it. Today, we're going to talk about Making certain, if you get an impression that you think is from God, how do you check that? So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to begin with a story about being a, a funeral. Several years ago, I got to, uh, had the opportunity to conduct a funeral for a family. I had moved away, and I was, happened to be back during a little time when, when one of their family members died. And so I took the opportunity to conduct a funeral for them. It was very nice and always an honor to have a chance to do that. Well... Now, the service in Kentucky, I don't know how it happens here so much, but in, in Kentucky what you do is you have the funeral, and a lot of times then you'll drive in a procession to the graveside, and you'll have a graveside ceremony. It's usually kind of brief, sort of in conclusion, this is what we've talked about, and you say some final words over the casket, that's kind of the deal. And, and for me, there is a sort of an order of uh, progression here, there, there, the the there's a, a lineup, if you will. There, there's always a police officer in the front. Usually there's uh, the pallbearers or the family, and then there's a hearse. And, and after that, after that, after those other people, there's the, the pastor's car, right? This is how it normally works. This is how God intends it to work. It's in Leviticus. I'm pretty sure it's in there somewhere. Now, on this particular occasion, the, um, the funeral went great, and I went and got in my car, and they put me in the lineup, right behind the police officer. I don't know where we're going. All right, you see, there could be a problem, right? Now, I was thanking God, thank you, Lord, thank you that there's somebody in front of me. This police officer is going to lead us right to the cemetery. Except, except, at the very first time we get to an intersection, he pulls over to stop traffic. And he gets out. And he's very respectful, and I appreciated that, I really did, except now I'm in the lead. Now, have you ever prayed for the rapture to occur, you know, Lord? I know you're coming, now's as good a time as any, right? That's what you're praying. Because you are ready to not be in that particular situation. I'm sweating, I can feel perspiration on my forehead. I mean, I am about to die here, because I have no idea where we're going. I've kind of been there before, but they changed the entrance to the, to the uh, cemetery, and I'm really lost. And, and I'm playing out in my mind scenarios. Do you all do this? Like, okay, what could happen? Now, I top the hill, and at the bottom of the hill, there's a fork in the road. <laughs> there's literally, you could go left or right. All right, so I, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, if I go the wrong direction... What could happen, this would be great, is if I go the wrong direction, everybody else knows where they're going, they'll just go to the funeral, uh, to the cemetery, and I can pull in behind them. And it's a little embarrassing, but not too embarrassing. That, that was the best case. Worst case is, I take the wrong turn and everybody follows me. Into a cul-de-sac. You know, that would be, 
think about, I mean, it's like you're driving and then you turn, and, and then you're like waving at everybody because, and you could probably say when you got there, we knew, you know, Jimmy liked to drive around, you know, or something like that. Um, it was, it was the feeling, I, now I know what being the captain of the Titanic felt like because I'm like, I'm leading, I'm driving this ship and I don't have any idea where I'm going. Now, fortunately, and the Lord is gracious, I did. I picked the right. I, picked, I think I went right when I was supposed to, and and I'm driving up the road, and there, all of a sudden, I see there. There's a. There's. Do y'all have this? There's a little grave digger guy there in bib overalls. That's Kentucky, I guess. I don't know. And uh, he's spitting tobacco. I knew. I knew his home, and he he wheeled us right in, and it was great. It ended up being great. But the point is this: it's great to have direction in your life, especially. When you feel lost, right? When you feel lost, you really need direction. So last week we talked about how God speaks to us. And we talked about the number one way God communicates with you and with me is through Scripture. He gives us the Bible in order to inform us on how to live life. And honestly, most of what we need in in life, you find there. And He also speaks to us through gifted preachers and teachers. And we talked about how... You know, you get in a Bible-believing church, or you listen to guys online, who, which is nice. We have lots of resources today. Or you read books, and there's a way for God to communicate through preachers and teachers. Now, we mentioned that pain is a great way God speaks to us, and, and it really is. And nobody likes it, but it's true. God gets our attention through pain. But the, the one we're going to really dive into today is sometimes God gives us an impression of what we're going to or need to do. Now, if it's paper or plastic, it's not that big a deal. But when it's something ethical or it's relational and you feel like God is leading you in a certain direction, you really need to know it's coming from God. Here's the difference. The problem with impressions is origin. Because I can... I don't know if you ever have done this. I have this ability to put my words in God's mouth. I can convince myself, is what I'm saying, I can convince myself that God wants me to do something, but basically I want to do it, and I would just like God to affirm it. And there's a scripture for this, and this is a great passage. The heart is deceitful above all things. And we have this ability, and it would go something like this. Oh, uh, I don't think God minds that I take this, whatever it is, from my company, even though... I didn't ask for it and I'm not supposed to have it because I'm underpaid and God is all about justice and and the way they pay me, it's unjust. And so I can convince myself that taking something is appropriate. We could do, you could do that with anything. God wants me to be happy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? And I know that the Bible says this, but I want to do this because it's going to make me happy. And even though I know God told me not to do this in Scripture, I'm going to do it anyway because I know God's ultimate goal for me is happiness. And we can talk ourselves into things. So there's a scripture today we're going to look at. 1 John 4, 1 says, Friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. We, we're to test things. All right, so I have, a, I have a visual today. A visual, all right? I like the visuals. All right, here we go. Hold on. All right, this is a, uh, a zero-water water filter. It's very awesome. It has a seven-stage filtration system. 
So there's a filter right here, filter, seven stage. So you pour the tap water in. This is tap water. Pour that in, and it starts to filter, okay? Now, you want to know why you filter water? Because tap water has stuff in it. It's called, let me see, I have it written down, total dissolved solids. Um, A.K.A. crud uh, in your water. Now, tap water has total dissolved solids in it, and so this filters out the bad stuff, right? Now, by the way, Taylor's, I, I looked this up, Taylor's water is excellent. It only has 0.25 particles per million. It's really, really good. In Michigan, Miriam, you're going to love this, where we used to live, it was 209 particles per million. That's 800 times worse than the water here. Uh, in Artesia, where we lived in New Mexico, 56 parts per million. In my hometown of Kentucky, zero. There are two places, any place, that have zero. It's heaven and my hometown. So uh, those two places, zero. So the water filters through, and what you end up with is something that you can drink, or you at least would drink. You're okay drinking. All right. So with an impression, I'm going to give you sort of a... A filtration process. How can I if, I, if I get an impression in my mind, how can I make sure it's from God and not just from me? How can I do it? So I'm glad you asked. We're going to do it. Seven-step filtration process. One is, does it agree with the Bible? If the Bible is God's number one way of communicating with us, then this has to line up. My impression has to line up with Scripture. It has to. Because God will never contradict what he's already written in scripture so man if you get here and jesus said heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away he will never contradict himself god is always consistent look at what it says about jesus he's the same yesterday today and forever and so if it contradicts scripture you can be certain it's not from god now here's what happens there are conflicting messages in the world conflicting messages um, if you watch Hallmark Channel or Lifetime or something, I, I don't, I'm a man, but uh, if you do, if you do, because uh, really, if you're watching that, you're turning your man card in. I, I just want you to know. Or a Disney movie, sometimes, there's the message. The message is, follow your heart. All my Hallmark people. Uh, follow your heart. Follow your heart. That's what they say, right? Now, here, here's the problem. What if following my heart, what if my heart, which we saw a minute ago is deceptive, leads me in the wrong direction? I know the Bible says I'm supposed to stay faithful in my marriage, but I'm following my heart. Okay, so the, it's easy, really. If the Bible says this is what you do, this is what you do. And so there's some stuff that's just a slam dunk for me. Do I bring my kids to church? Yes. Do I tithe? Yes. Uh, do I help people who um, need help when I see opportunity? Yes. Those are things the Bible talks about constantly. You serve people that can't serve you back. This is kind of, in Scripture, it's quite clear. And God's not going to change his mind on these things. I have a, an 11-year-old daughter, Elise. Elise is on the front row. Wave. There you are. Elise. Sometimes we'll take her shopping with us, and she doesn't want to hang out with mom and dad, and that's okay. And so we'll say, okay, you can look here, 
But here's, we, we have a rule. We, we have, we have uh, some things we say. And this, I say it every time I leave her. I will never send somebody to get you. If somebody says that they're coming for me, you say no. They are not my representative. I will never send somebody to come get you. I'll come get you myself. Don't go with anybody. You never go with anybody. If they're dressed like a police officer, if they're dressed like the Pope, it does not matter. You are not to go with anybody but us. Now, this rule will never change. And she knows that. And God tells us in Scripture quite plainly about certain things. This is how it's supposed to be. And it's not going to change because this is the way he's always had it. So we have to understand God will never impress you to do something that's inconsistent with Scripture because that's just not how he works. So filter number one, does it line up with Scripture? Filter number two, does it make me more like Jesus? Does it make me more like Jesus? Because God's ambition for us, as it says here in Romans, God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. We, we are to become more and more like Jesus all the time. Jesus is the standard. So, let me ask you a quick question. Since we know that God's ambition for us is to become more like Jesus, an impression from God... To become more like Jesus, will that be more likely to be difficult or easy? Is it difficult or easy to become more like Jesus? It's pr- probably harder than what we're doing now. Let me show you a couple of verses. In James 3 it says, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. So if an impression is kind of because you're jealous of somebody... Or it's because it's leading to something selfish. It's unlikely to be from God. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and motivated by the devil. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality. It's always sincere. Those are things that reflect the character of Christ. And so... When I look at an impression, I have to ask myself, is, is this going to make me these things? Is it going to make me more peace-loving and pure and gentle? Is it going to uh, help me be a, yielding to someone else? Is it going to be full of mercy and good deeds? And it, Will it show no partiality? I mean, does it make me more like Christ? I'm going to let you in on a secret. This is something that's kind of not known by everybody. But I have four daughters, and uh, Miriam and I have four daughters. And um, just so you know, uh, our kids uh, are not perfect. I, I just needed you to know that. Uh, because some people look at preacher's kids and like, oh, they're perfect. Well, they're not perfect. They're, they're really not perfect. And when they were little, they had this tendency to do something um, that's quite annoying as a parent. They would scream when they didn't get their way. I don't know. Is that just our kids? I don't know. Maybe, maybe yours do that too. And so... Uh, I, our kids didn't like to be told no. Weird. I, I know, really weird. And sometimes they would scream. Elise was really bad at this, by the way. Uh, really bad. She's sweet now, but we had to break her. Uh, she, was, she was a screamer. And we would say something, and, she, and it wasn't just a little, you know, like a, ah, it was, all right, think about jackals in Africa. Uh, think about that 
sort of tone, right? Ear piercing, your, your ears are bleeding by the time it's over with. She would just holler. Now, we broke her of that because you have to teach your kids there are negative consequences to bad behavior. You just have to teach them that. And so we were able to break all of our girls of this bad behavior uh, of, of screaming at the top of their lungs. Because you can't send your kid to kindergarten if they scream every time they don't get their way. All right. Maturity is a whole lot about getting to a place where it's not just you getting your way. And what God wants for you and for me is for us to get to a place where it's not just all about me. Where when he impresses on us lots of times, often, maybe every time, it's about how can I serve somebody else? Because Jesus said famously, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And when God gives you an impression, almost always it's about serving someone else. So filter number two, does it make me more like Christ? Filter number three, do my mature Christian friends agree with this? In Proverbs it says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. When I became a follower of Jesus, I did not only began a new relationship with God, I also began a new relationship with people. It's called the church. And that's why I'm in a, a group, uh, a small group. I'm in a, an accountability group with other pastors because I want people to speak into my life truth. I want to be accountable to people so they can speak truth into my life. I've got a few friends that will speak truth into my life. One of the things I miss about my dad most my dad's been, uh, been gone about 15 years. One of the things I missed most about him was I always knew he had my best interest at heart. So when he told me something, I knew that he meant it for my good. He would never tell me something just because it made his life better. And you need people in your life that will tell you the truth. Look at this verse. The wisdom of the righteous can save you. What can it save you? Your reputation, money, can save you your time. So, uh, do my mature Christian friends... Here's what we do. I get an impression, it's not the right thing to do, but I get an impression and I'll ask people until I find somebody that will tell me they agree. This is what, because the heart is deceitful above all things. And I, if I ask enough people and if I look around long enough, I can find somebody that will agree. That's not what God wants us to do. So, number three, do my mature Christian friends agree with it. Number four, fourth filtration process. Does it fit my shape? I'm going to explain this to you. But look at what it says here. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Shape is an acrostic. So, God has shaped each one of us in this way. He's given every person a spiritual gift. It might be teaching, it might be generosity, it could be hospitality. There are lots of things. But God gives everyone who's part of the family at least a spiritual gift. And so you're gifted some way. You also have a heart for something. Uh, some people have a heart to be outdoors. Some people like to be indoors. Uh, some people like cheese. Other people are normal. So uh, there's, there's that going on. Some people like to cook. Some people like to eat. Those, if you like to eat, you know who you want to hook up with? The people who like to cook. So uh, we have a heart for stuff, right? We have a heart for things. 
then God gives us certain abilities. Now, some people can sing. Cam, great today. That was great. Bam was great today, weren't they? I mean, really good. Yeah, it was great today. Cam has that rockabilly voice. I'd love that, don't you? It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, you were in good form today. I just want you to know, really good, really good. Way to go. Sometimes you're not, but today it was really good, really good. <laughs> you're always good. I'm seeing. Have you ever watched, like, American Idol? <laughs> like, the first few um, episodes of American Idol or The Voice or whatever, and they put people on who think they can sing. You ever, heard, you ever seen those people? And they're horrible. And somebody, someplace in their life lied to them. Because they couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. You've seen this, right? Your word is... And then you're like, oh my word, who told them they could sing? It's, it is as if somebody was so delusional, they said, oh, oh girl, you are, you are something. Simon is going to love you. And Simon don't love nobody. I mean, Simon, really, like Simon is going to, like you're going to get in that room and all of a sudden you couldn't sing before. You were horrible before. It's like a train wreck. It's like a dumpster fire. But you're going to get in front of Simon, and all of a sudden you're going to sing like Mariah Carey or something. It's like, that's kind of how they think. And they sing, and what does Simon say? That is the most atrocious thing I have ever heard. We all giggle because somebody lied to them, right? You have abilities. You have them. You, you don't have some abilities. There are some things you can do and some things you can't do. You have a certain personality. God has shaped you this way. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. You are what you were created to be. God made you that way. We all have a different set of experiences. We can have vocational experiences. We can have painful experiences. We can have educational experiences. We're all different in that regard. And so God has shaped each and every one of us. And the reason we're all different is because God wants it all to get done. If you're managing a company and you hire everybody, that they all do the same thing, that, that's not wise. You need people that can do everything. And so that's how we're shaped. And, and if an impression comes from God, it's going to match up with your shape. This is, if I had an impression that God wanted me to become a medical doctor... I would say, or if I had an impression that I thought might be from God, and the impression was you need to become a medical doctor, stop preaching and go be a medical doctor, I would know that's not how I'm shaped. I, I, the whole blood thing, I'm really not good with that. Uh, I don't think a, a good doctor would, would faint every time he sees blood. I think that's really bad for the job. I think it's bad on the job description. I've never seen a doctor's job description that says, you should get queasy when you see blood. I, I don't think, I'm, I'm a germaphobe. I, I don't, and can you imagine a patient coming in coughing and me going, ooh, uh, that, that wouldn't be helpful to them, right? And oozy stuff, I don't want any, I don't want any of it. I don't want any of it. So, it's not how God has shaped me. He's shaped me a certain way. He hasn't shaped me that way. In Romans it says, In His grace God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And so an impression that you get that is from God will match your shape. Okay? So that's kind of filter number four. Number five. Does it concern me? This is really important. This is, a, this is kind of an important one. Um, 
In John 21, there's this cool story. Uh, Jesus has resurrected. He meets his disciples on the beach. They have fish for breakfast. That's why Long John Silver should be open in the morning. Uh, so we could be like Jesus. Uh, they had fish for breakfast. And then... Jesus enters this conversation with, with a guy named Simon Peter, one of his followers. And he says, Simon Peter, now that you're talking about a tough conversation, speaking the truth. Jesus says to Simon Peter, dude, by the way, it's going to get kind of rough for you. It's going to get kind of rough, just so you know. I mean, you're going to have to suffer for me. <laughs> and I, I'm sure that didn't make him all that happy. So, so Peter looks at his friend John and he says, what about him? What about that dude? And Jesus said, it's none of your business. I'm giving you a message for you. You need to deal with the message I've given to you about you. Look at what it says here. We will all be judged one day, not by each other's standards or even by our own, but by the judgment of God. It is to God alone that we should have to answer for our actions. We stand accountable for us. So when I'm listening for God's voice... I'm listening for God's voice for me. I'm not listening for God's voice to tell my kids what to do or my wife what to do or anybody else what to do. I, I, I think it's dangerous when somebody says, I got a word from God for you. Because Christ died so that we can have a relationship with God that's personal. I, I don't need an intermediary. It's called the priesthood of the believers. I have direct access, as do you, to God through Jesus Christ. We have direct access to God ourselves. Now, will God ever speak to you about somebody else? I, I think occasionally it happens. I'll give you two kind of provisions, all right? Uh, it's likely that God will use you to confirm what he's already said to them. So if, if you say, hey, this is what I'm thinking... God will probably. I, I don't think God usually speaks to you, through you first. It would be a confirmation. The other thing I think is, if God speaks through you to help somebody, you usually won't know it. Here's what's interesting about being a preacher. There are occasions, and it's and it's honestly often that I will preach something, and somebody will say that that word was just for me. I, I needed to hear that today. Now. I don't think every time that happens somebody tells me, but it's remarkable to me because I didn't have that person in mind when I wrote the sermon or, or presented the sermon. But God has a way. See, see if, if, if I were able to say, hey, this is what you should do, it's a real, that, that could be a big ego thing. So I, I don't think God lets your ego get too big on that stuff. I think it's dangerous, frankly. Here, here's what... This is what it reminds me of. When I was in middle school, remember when you were in middle school and there was a girl over there that you kind of liked? Nobody talks directly to the girl, right? There's, that's weird. So what do you do? You get your buddy to go talk to her buddy, and you say, hey, Jimmy, will you go find out if, if Becky likes me? I'll do it. So he goes over here, but doesn't talk to Becky. He talks to Becky's friend, uh, Lily. Uh, Lily, will you ask Becky? And so there's this... And then Lily goes and asks Becky, and Becky says, no. And uh, Lily comes back and says, Billy, no. And Billy comes back to you, and he says, I think she does. And then, then you're kind of one of those things. 
Because Billy's a good friend. He wants you to try, you know, that kind of thing. God doesn't need an intermediary. He, do, he, doesn't need, he has a direct, you have direct contact. You, you have direct access to God you, yourself. You can speak to God directly. Now, he, he will use human instruments on occasion. But look at what Jesus said. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He'll, he'll teach you, and, and He'll remind you of everything I've said to you. So there'll be teaching out there that, that the Holy Spirit will remind you of. You'll have read something in Scripture, and He'll remind you of that. The Holy Spirit lives in our lives to give us direction in life directly from God. So we, we don't need particularly human voices to tell us this is what you need to do. Number six, do I have a sense of peace about it? In Colossians it says, God is not the author of confusion. And so if it confuses you or if it's, if it's rushed. See, pressure is rarely uh, from God. Unless God has told you to do something and you know it's from God and you haven't done it. Other than that, I don't really think it's from God. God's not the author of confusion. So here's the deal. If God... Uh, oh, and in Colossians it says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. If God has genuinely impressed you to do something, it's going to bring pre- peace in your heart if you do it. So you'll have this real sense of peace. Let me give you one more. Is it convicting or is it condemning? Is it convicting or is it condemning? I just talked about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in our hearts when we become followers of Jesus. And he gives us, sometimes, it's sometimes in Scripture it's called a small voice, a still small voice, where he will tell us something is wrong. It's usually very, it's very specific. I've, I've had this happen in my life when I've spoken harshly to my kids. And, and the Holy Spirit will come over me and it's like, you know, you shouldn't have said it that way. You, you were much more harsh than you needed to be. And immediately I know that, that to me, it, it's convicting or um, uh, you have an idea about doing something that you, you know, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, uh-uh, no, 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 and it's convicting. What, what condemnation is, condemnation is sort of this, this general idea that you're bad. It, it's not from God, because God doesn't think you're bad. But, but this is that, that notion that, you know, you, you can't do anything right. That's the voice. Or, uh, you're no good, you hear that song, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. You're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. That's part of it, I like it right there. And you hear that, and it's like, not specifically what you should change, you're just not good. You, you stink. <laughs> you're horrible. Look at what it says in Scripture. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. For the power of the life-giving Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. Here's what happens too too often. A person will have had a harsh parent, and they transpose the voice of God, or the voice of the harsh parent onto God. You know, the harsh parent that if you brought home a C, you should have brought home a B. 
If you brought home a B, you should have brought home an A. If you brought home an A, you should have brought home all A's. And they're unpleasable, and they're never satisfied, and they're the ones that tell you you're no good, and they're the ones that have told you you're not, never going to amount to anything. And you transpose the voice of an unpleasable parent onto God as if that's God's voice, and that's not God's voice. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Something that you have to understand is when we ask Christ to forgive our sins, He does. Some people will ask, well, shouldn't a, a Christian ever feel guilty? Not long. Not for long. Look, look at what it says in 1 John. If we confess our sins to God, He can always be trusted to forgive us and to take our sins away. God doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't hold a grudge for us. See, here's what the truth is. Satan minimizes your sin before you do it. He'll say things like, how bad is it? Oh, it's not that bad. God really doesn't think that. Oh, that's old, way. That's old school thinking. That's archaic. God doesn't think that. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's just not that big a deal. Before you do it, it's not that big a deal. After you do it, you know what he says? Mm, I can't believe you did that right there. I cannot believe. Can you believe you did that? Because I cannot believe it. What kind of person does that sort of thing? That's the voice of Satan. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's what you've got to hear today. God sent his son to die on a cross so that you might be saved. If you've ever accepted the invitation from God... To forgive your sins and to allow Jesus to control your life. Then you are part of the family. And he does not have buyer's remorse. Have you ever had buyer's remorse? <laughs> timeshare. You know you bought a timeshare. like uh, Exercise equipment that now you put your clothes on. That, that kind of thing, you know. Um, a boat, you know. People say about a boat, the, the two best days of buying a boat are the day you, you buy it and the day you sell it. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, maybe you, you have something that you have buyer's remorse. You bought a car and it's, now the payments are too high. And you, you've experienced it, most likely. You've experienced buyer's remorse. <laughs> Janelle and I, one time, we want, went and bought her a guitar, and, and within like 12 hours, we didn't like it. And we tried to take it back, and they wouldn't take it because uh, on the receipt it says, no, no gives these backies. So, uh, we couldn't give it back. Buyer's remorse. God doesn't have that with you. I mean, you, we really have to understand that God, as a parent, what I want for my kids is for them to be the very best they can be, to live up there to their potential. That's all I want. I want them to live up to their potential. And God has gifted us and he's shaped us a certain way and he wants us to live up to our potential. And when we sin, it just messes that up. But it doesn't mess up our relationship with him. He still loves us. He still wants the best for us. He still, he's trying to f figure out, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't have to try to figure out, he figures out how to use that for our good. God's amazing. He can take the bad stuff in our lives and somehow make it work out for good. He's amazing. He's amazing. Here's the deal. The secret of hearing God clearly is getting to know him better and better every day. The closer I walk with him, the easier it is for me to discern his voice. That seven-stage filtration is brilliant, by the way. It's great. Now you have it. You have an outline. It's online, so you, know, you can have it. 
And if you have a, you know, if you have an issue or you have a question, maybe you work through the filtration system. Hey, is this, does it meet this? Does it meet this? Does it meet this? It's a great thing. I, le I learned this a long time ago. I'm just sharing it with you today, but I've, I've been doing this for a long time. It's helpful. But the secret of hearing God clearly is just to have a close relationship with him. And you can do that. We talked about it, you know, by reading your Bible and by listening to godly voices in your heart and in, in your life and by through prayer and, and you test impressions to make sure they're from God. And then God certainly speaks to us through our pain. And you don't have to ask for pain, but when you have it, you can say, God, what do you want to teach me through this? We're going to pray, and I'm going to ask that God um, give us a sense of peace about our relationship with him. He's not angry with us. He's not mad. He wants our very best. He gives us impressions for our good so that we can live up to our potential. Father, we're thankful that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us. We're thankful that you don't have buyer's remorse. Jesus paid the price for us. And now we can live a full, meaningful life because of that. We're thankful, Father, that you speak to us in so many ways. We're thankful, Lord, for the Bible that is so instructive and helpful. And I pray that as we go out this week, even this afternoon, that we'll be reminded that you love us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That conviction is specific, that you want to teach us and you want us to live up to our potential. Thank you for giving us spiritual gifts and abilities and a heart and a personality and experiences that help us accomplish what you want us to. We pray this in Jesus' name.